everyone, and welcome to the Balanced Purpose Podcast. My name is Ray Trevino, and I am your host. Each week, we will explore the essential elements of living a fulfilling, balanced, and meaningful life. Our podcast brings together entrepreneurs, business executives, coaches, and everyday people like you and me who have seen challenges and have overcome adversities to create success and find balance in their lives. Whether you're a young professional seeking to make an impact in your career, a parent looking to balance work and family life, or a retiree seeking to create a new purpose, our podcast is something for everyone. So join us as we delve into the world of living a balanced and purposeful life and discover how you can create a life of balance and purpose for yourself. Today's guest considers himself a pretty simple guy. He has over 30 years in field sales and field sales management experience, with the last 22 plus being in the enterprise software with Tipco. I'd like to welcome Dean Wiener to our show. Dean, how are you today? Ray, I'm doing well. It's it's great to see you and be with you. I look forward to this. Well, it's a pleasure to have you with us today. Would you mind telling our listeners a little bit about yourself and maybe throwing a fun fact that most people don't know about you? Oh yeah, I can hardly wait to get to the fun fact. I think your listeners will enjoy this one. But uh, <laughs> yeah, you're quite right. I've been uh, been around the sales game a long time and sales management. Started right out of school, University of Southern California, went to work for Xerox. And my decision there was I wanted to go to work for, a, at the time, a great company with a great sales program. And that's exactly what it was. So uh, started off uh, knocking on doors and in literally in business neighborhoods and uh, cold calling. Talk about cold calling. That was cold calling. But it uh, it really taught me a lot about sales and, and everything in between. That's where I started. Then I uh, pivoted into the uh, uh, into the uh, computer business with Computer Sciences Corporation. I sold timesharing there for uh, three years, did very well. Then went into IBM uh, mainframe compatible software about eight, nine years. At the time with a company called Pansophic Systems that was uh, ultimately bought by IBM. And then a few years, uh, uh, part owner of a company, uh, we sold a uh, services, uh, labor uh, on a temporary basis uh, to companies. And then the last 22 plus with TIPCO. So it's been it's been a great ride. On the fun fact, uh, this is interesting. I, I, I don't think about this often, but when I was 11 years old, I played peewee uh, pop corner football. Uh, I was a wide receiver. I was a pretty fast runner uh, and a good receiver. And my quarterback was Robin Yount, who is... Uh, uh, the Hall of Fame uh, Milwaukee Brewer uh, had a 20-year career with a 285 batting average, over 3,100 uh, hits, over 250 home runs. Just a really terrific guy. So I don't think about that a lot, but it was pretty interesting. Robin was a quarterback and I was a receiver, and we had a great time together uh, all those years ago. That is a fun fact. Do you uh, still keep in touch with Robin? I don't. Yeah, no, I don't. I, I think the last time I saw him was our last game when we were 11 years old. <laughs> oh, gotcha. <laughs> then you see him on TV and you're like, I know that guy. I know. It's, he was my quarterback. It's almost a little <laughs> surreal when you really think about it. He was a really great, uh, I mean, I thought I was a pretty good athlete, but he was a lot better athlete than I was. He was really tremendous. So a lot of fun. And now, so you you started back in the day of of knocking on doors with Xerox. Uh, what are some experience that you had? Did you did you have any just crazy, outlandish experiences while knocking on doors? 
selling Xerox copiers? You know, that's a great question. Uh, there are all kinds of interesting things, some good, some strange things. I, I remember one, and th- this is certainly uh, an interesting one. I uh, And I called on everybody, by the way, including gas stations, uh, convenient, you know, anything that had a door I walked through. Uh, but I actually <laughs> called uh, on a Mormon church and, oh. and I went, I did I wasn't, you know, I went into the church. Nobody was there. I went around the back. They had an office and uh, the uh, I'm not Mormon. So I don't know. I don't, I would normally call it a pastor, but I don't even know if they called it a pastor at the time, but whatever. Um, and we had a nice chat for a few minutes and he said, look, I want you to come back in about a week uh, and handed me the Book of Mormon, and and so I he said I just I just like for you to take a look at it and uh, read it a bit, and then come back to me and we can talk copiers in a week. So I thought that was pretty interesting. That was kind of a, a funny deal, uh, and I did. I I read. I didn't read it cover to cover, but I read sections. We came back. I don't think I ever sold him a copier though. Gotcha. Uh, I'm always a believer. I'm very open to all kinds of religion. So it it. It was a fun deal. I I enjoyed our conversations. That was many many years ago. I am too. We've got a, a ton of friends that are that are involved in in the Mormon Church. It's a great religion and really great people. They are uh, some of the kindest people I've ever met. And so, I will I will say that. Now, did you specifically go business to business with Xerox, or did you do any any personal like home sales? Uh, no, it was all it was all business to business. You know, a lot of times what we wanted to do is we wanted to get the, you know, obviously the copiers in the door, but a lot of times they would come into the Xerox Center for demonstrations. I remember back then we actually had a copier that would pull the paper through the machine. This was a number of years ago. And uh, uh, on occasion, it would jam. And so that oh. taught me a lot about objection handling. I mean, I always remember what it jammed in the the, the the prospect's face would be looking at me like, you got to be kidding me. And I always said, well, I'm glad this happened because I really wanted to show you how easy it is with the Xerox machine to actually clear the jam. So uh, a lot of fun times, uh, you know, we we tried to get them into the demonstration room, get in front of them. And, you know, I did did well. I was there only a short time, about 18 months, but it taught me a lot for sure, right? I definitely had to redirect and uh, change the outlook of a conversation from this copier is the best copier ever to this is how you fix a jam and this is how easy it is to get out of it. Now, what what was your next move from Xerox? Where did you head to then? I wanted to get into the computer business and really that's where I've, I've been most of my uh, business career. And I went to Computer Sciences Corporation. That was way back in the early 80s. Um, I'm an older guy. Uh, but I, but I still feel 25, <laughs> uh, and, uh, rotated into the computer business with computer science did very, very well there. Those were time sharing days. Those were days when, you know, there was a lot of contention and the uh, end user departments weren't exactly getting the service, uh, and the responsiveness they needed from their core IT group. And so we, we sold these, uh, uh, services uh, whether it be database services, financial modeling services, engineering modeling, you know, all kinds of different things. Uh, and, uh, you know, as I said, I did very well in that over the course of three years. 
And and you were selling labor in these services, right? Well, it was a utility. I mean, today, none of that is even sold. It's it's all mm. been disintermediated by the PC, really, when you think about it. And and tools like uh, uh, tools like Excel from Microsoft. I mean, today you would you would never be able to sell time sharing services on financial modeling. It's all done on a laptop. Uh, but back mm. then, it was uh, before all all that uh, came into being, and it was, uh, you know, we did a lot of that. Um, a lot of database services, too, where they just wanted to put data into a database and then uh, analyze and report on it. So, boy, has that evolved pretty quick, hasn't it? Yeah, it really, it really, it really rapidly evolved, uh, you know, early to mid 80s, you know, just very quickly. And so... You know, the tools of today, I mean, you think about where we are today with uh, generative AI and everything in between. It's just really remarkable what's happened over the last uh, 20, 30 years. And, and the speed of innovation is, is even faster now than it was then. So it's uh, it's really quite amazing. I mean, Today, you hold up uh, uh, an iPhone and it has more compute power on it than some of the, some of the smaller mainframes back 30 years ago. So it's, it's really quite remarkable. Now, you've been with TIPCO for over 22 years. What is TIPCO and what are the, what's their service? What do they do? So originally, uh, TIPCO, before it was even TIPCO, it was a company called Technicron many, many years ago. What we did... we sometimes referred to it as digitizing Wall Street. Uh, our founder, Vivek Ranadive, who is out of the company now and now the owner of the Sacramento Kings, interesting going from software to basketball. <laughs> yeah. He's also strong in VC and a number of things. But uh, he uh, he was on Wall Street uh, at the time and uh, went down in one of the elevators. And I can't remember the firm, but he went down and he looked at the trading floor, and he was uh, he was a mechanical engineer, uh, MIT by trade, and he looked at it and he saw all of these uh, terminals, uh, I'll call them terminals or screens, that a trader would see and with what was called the pivot chair, and they would go from one screen to the next, looking at various feeds to to do these trades, and and he he, he thought to himself that that's crazy. Why can't uh, why can't software behave like the backplane of of a PC? The backplane of a PC, you have a you have a hardware bus, you plug things in, and everything operates interoperates. Um, and so his his idea was, why not a software bus where we plug in uh, databases and applications, and everything would just seamlessly communicate. And so. That's what he he did. He uh, developed a product called Rendezvous at the time, which was our first product. And uh, the rest is history. Um, They consolidated a number of screens into a single Sun workstation at the time with Rendezvous at the back plane. And and that's uh, that's that's how we started. And what is uh, Rendezvous? What has it evolved into? Because I know it's probably still not the same, right? Well, Rendezvous, believe it or not, Rendezvous still runs after all these years, and it's a different message. It's the, these tools are called messaging, uh, but it's a different messaging paradigm than uh, other uh, messaging tools we use, um, such as Enterprise Message Service, which is a a queue based. Uh, messaging. So it's 
depending on what the application is and what the uh, company needs and what the required capabilities are, we apply a number of different types of messaging technologies to solve a, a particular problem. So it gets a little complex, but that's about as easy as I can make it. Now, how how do you feel AI will impact your business? Seems like it would be pretty beneficial. Yeah, I think in a positive way. I mean, we're 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 starting to build intelligence and have been building intelligence into, as an example, our analytics tool, Spotfire, for a number of years. And so, uh, an example of that, Ray, is sometimes these novice users of um, reporting tools uh, have a difficult time just building the dashboards themselves. So now our technology can ask a few questions of the end user, English-like, Google-like questions. And uh, uh, what ends up happening is that the technology will actually predict the type of dashboard they may want to see that data in, uh, give them choices. They can select one of those choices and the framework, the initial dashboard is built for them. So that's an example of us building artificial intelligence right into the the tool itself uh, to help end users become more productive. Now, who's your target market? Do you go straight to specific industries or do you go after analytical company that build these types of programs for other companies. For example, I have a commercial service company in Texas. We have been working with several other companies to create auditing tools and then, of course, our accounting tools, too, to be able to migrate everything into one dashboard to just make it user-friendly and easy easy to use. And there are several companies that we've gone through, like Orange QC, and um, there's a new one called Aspire. And so do you guys sell to them? And, and they utilize your product to create what they have, or do you go specifically to the actual industrial companies themselves? The sales model today is very different than, say, even a year ago. But what we've done is we've uh, created a, a target group, and it's all customers. So really what we're doing is we're doubling down on very large. These are multi-billion dollar corporations and our field sales force, I'm one of about 25 to 30 people, are really committed to and dedicated to those large accounts. So on average, we have about seven or eight accounts. Then we have a whole nother group that is really what I would call, when I say down market, I don't mean to disparage uh, any size of company, but they're really the ones that are looking after the uh, SMB type Market, small and medium-sized markets. Additionally, I think you were talking about companies that might embed technology into their solutions. Correct. And we do that as well. We have a number of uh, companies that we sell to that embed our, our products into their products, and they then sell through to their customers. Now, Dean, I want to get to know a little more about you. Can you take me through a, a normal day in your life? I know you're married, you have kids in Texas. and Yeah, I do. And I, I want to hear all about that. I've got a great wife. Um, uh, she's, she's really terrific. Uh, she's kind of my rock. You know, sales can be interesting, Ray, as you know. I, I think we all sell to a degree, even if we aren't, we don't classify ourselves as such. And it, you know, honestly, it's a stressful job. Uh, and there there's some ups and downs uh, in it. And it's so nice to have, 
a family that keeps you grounded. I mean, they care, but they don't care that much about what I do each day. <laughs> uh, so, so she's terrific. I've been with her a, a long time. We met at USC. I was a junior. We're one year apart, but two years in school. So I was a junior and she was a freshman. And she, uh, we met on the front porch of the uh, Kappa Sig house. I was at Kappa Sigma at USC. And she had long hair uh, down below her uh, backside. <laughs> and I said to my friend, I said, oh, man, I, I got to meet her. And he goes, forget it. She's out of your league. <laughs> but uh, we met, we dated, we married uh, three years later, uh, two, three years later. And the rest is history. We have two daughters in their early 30s. One, one's here in Texas and the other one's in Denver uh, with us. We kind of split our time. So they're a big part of my life. Keeps me anchored, as I say. Isn't it funny how that happens? You know, you've got to have that rock or that anchor or else no telling where, where us guys would be. Yeah. And then to answer your other part of the question, I got I got so involved with my family because it's so important to me and, and my friends. I mean, I to me that's everything, and the job kind of facilitates uh, everything else. I I guess I do in life, but uh, but I I'm usually up pretty early. I'm not a. I know you have a lot of guys on that are pumping iron and you know doing these crazy workouts. That's not me. I I try to walk <laughs> twice a day usually usually only a couple of miles per. So if I get in around 10,000 steps, I'm good. <laughs> so, uh, so I do try and do that. A lot of my job, of course, the last three plus years has been on things like this on virtual meetings. Uh, if you were to tell me that I would have had two of my most successful years in 21 and 22, I would have told you you're crazy, uh, but I did. Uh, so I'm a, I'm I'm a little bit of a more of a believer in virtual meetings than I was say five years ago, um, but I am starting to get back out now. So I'm starting to do some traveling. I'm going to California next week uh, in the Bay Area for a few days, so I'm looking forward to that. And it's just it's my days are filled Monday through Friday with just a lot of meetings and a lot of phone calls and uh, negotiations and a variety of things. Uh, then come Saturday and Sunday, I shut it down. Um, I really have tried to put more balance in my life. I used to work some on weekends, and I I might do an hour on Sunday night just to set up the week, but I, I shut it down and, uh, and do uh, fun stuff. I do a little bit of golfing, but I haven't golfed a lot in the last few years. I want to get back to that. And just enjoy the family, enjoy my friends, do dinners and meetups and things like that. So where's home? Is home Denver? Uh, we have a place in Denver. Uh, we moved from uh, Southern California to Denver in uh, December of 2020. My wife really wasn't interested in selling the house prior to that because she didn't want people traping through our home. And I said, well, wait a minute. It's covid they can't even come into the house <laughs> you know, like that. Mm -hmm. If we're ever going to sell, this would be the time to sell. So we did. We sold, uh, interestingly, uh, first year of COVID, moved to Denver, set up that. And then my daughter was down here in Canyon Lake, Texas. And uh, I personally, and I, I would say we both uh, just love the hill country of Texas. We've adopted to it really well and, and really enjoying our time here. Well, welcome. That's that's where I live. You're actually uh, 
Canyon Lake. You're about 15 miles from me, so I'm I'm Spring Branch, okay. smack dab in the yeah, we're yeah, smack dab in the Texas Hill Country. So now, what what does living a balanced life mean to you? The balance to me is balancing what I need to do with work to be successful, to provide me enough so that I can spend quality time with my family uh, and my friends. Uh, I mean, just yesterday, I took the time to go have lunch with uh, with John Knotts. You know, I try to. I try, I try to do things like that where I reach out to people. I'm always checking on friends, seeing how they're doing. It's about my, my family, my close friends, my network of people I try to stay in touch with. I try to help people as much as I can, connect them in, uh, things like that, try to help them lead a balanced life, I guess. I'm a believer. I When I was in uh, Southern California, I was a... Uh, part of a Presbyterian church, which I enjoyed very much. And I enjoyed our, our pastor very much. And of course, we kind of moved away from that. And I've gotten away from that, but doesn't mean I'm not a, uh, a believer. And, you know, I think there is a, certainly a higher being and, you know, we all, uh, we all have to have that kind of balance in our life as well. So it, it's, you know, the physical part that helps with the mental part, the family part, the friends part, the network part, all that comes together that provides me, mm-hmm. I, I believe, the balance in my life. You're 100% correct. Now, has John introduced you to Lupe Tortilla yet? Uh, he has not. Um, I don't know <laughs> why, but we ended up at Chili's yesterday. Uh, not that there's anything wrong with Chili's, but you know, I would say the restaurants are fairly limited <laughs> in the yeah, uh, I'm a big believer in the branch on 46 in uh, in Spring Branch. I'm a. Uh, we just had dinner there last night. We really enjoy that a lot. Um, it's a lot of fun, and the food's good. Yeah, the food's really good. We like it too. It's literally two minutes from our house. So is Chili's. Chili's is right up the road too. Yeah. We don't go there very often. Chili's you can find anywhere. Not that there's anything wrong no, with Chili's. There's nothing wrong. I want to go ahead and say that we we like you, Chili's. It's fun. Uh, now, so you 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 mentioned a. Uh, um, higher power. And I think I want to switch the conversation to, to purpose. How do you define purpose in your life? I know you've got a beautiful wife that is way out of your league, but there, there's more to Dean than just sales and uh, great lunches and community. What is purpose to you? I've heard you ask that a lot. I, you know, it's interesting. I, I think I've kind of lived my life just day by day, moment by moment, just trying to do the right things. And I've really never thought about, this might sound really odd, but I've never really thought about that a lot until I heard it from you. And I know John's a big <laughs> believer in that. So, I, so I've got two of you guys, one on one side, one on the other, like, come on, get with it. What's your purpose? What are your values? So uh, literally I was flying out uh, about a month ago to uh, to Southern California and I literally spent two hours just thinking about my values. And and I think my values are my purpose. And I I boil them down. And some of these some of these are table stakes. Like everybody says that. But I I believe if you asked anybody externally, family, friends, the people I do business with, 
I think they'd all vouch for, yeah, that's who Dean is. And, and I boiled them down to five, which I try to live every day, which I think ultimately defines my purpose. One is everything I do, I do with integrity. Mm-hmm. Secondly, uh, everything I do, I do honestly. Um, I don't even really like telling little white lies. I just, I'm very forthright in how I conduct my life, uh, both business and personal. And it's always in a very honest way. A third, which is a little bit around our business is I'm responsive. We, we operate in a real-time business with, with TIPCO. That's what we do. We allow companies to operate on a real-time basis. And that's how I conduct myself in a real-time basis. If somebody calls me, they get a call back. There is no qualification of, oh, gee, I don't need to call that person back because they don't necessarily mean anything to me in the next day, week, month. No, I return all calls. Um, LinkedIn makes it a little difficult sometimes uh, when you get all of these things that are coming in from people that you know might be trying to sell you something. But even there, I try to respond as best I can. So I'm responsive in everything I do. The other big thing, which I think is so important in sales, is I'm curious. You've got to be curious. You've got to be outward thinking in sales as opposed to inward thinking. I see too much, somewhat with younger sales, but all salespeople is that they're too inward thinking. They've got to shift their thinking to outward thinking. And then lastly, I have a lot of empathy I really do try to balance a customer's or a prospect's or anybody's views and feelings towards something with my own views and my company's views on things. And I try to get a balance of what's right, the right thing to do uh, for both parties. And that's why I think I'm a good negotiator is that I'm really good at that kind of balance, the give and the take. And the arrival at something that both, you know, both companies or both parties can be proud of. Those are great values. Integrity, honesty, responsiveness, curious and empathy and doing what's right. I'm bad at being responsive to an extent like you. LinkedIn, I get hundreds of messages daily. Yeah. And, and. you know, if it's somebody that I have not seen comment before or someone that I don't have an ongoing relationship with, I usually don't respond. And the reason why is because I've, I used to respond to everybody. And then I would see these responses migrate into an email that go to my business email. And then you're right. They start selling me stuff. want to have lunch, want to do this. And it, it turns into, it turns from let's collaborate and do something together just to, Hey, you want to buy this? Or do you have time for this? Or, you know, and, and, and it makes it rather difficult uh, to navigate all through through all of them, and and because time time's valuable, and you can easily find yourself spending twenty thirty minutes going through all of these messages, and in fact only one being important. But I I, I value your values; those are great values to have. Now, in today's fast paced world, it's easy to get overwhelmed and, and lose focus or lose sight of what you're doing. And, and lose sight of your values. How does Dean Wiener stay focused amidst all the noise and everything around us, like social media? Well, that's a good question. I, you know, what I, what I try to do is I try to limit my exposure to social media. In what I do, 
And I think LinkedIn is probably the biggest, uh, the single biggest one that could occupy a lot of your time if you're not careful. And so literally I limit myself to no more than 30 minutes a day. And, and even then I try to get on it. I mean, I think some people like John will tell you that I'm usually responding at six in the morning, something on that order. I'm typically not on LinkedIn uh, during business hours. Business hours for me are normally around 7.30, 8 a.m. to about 5, 5.30 at night. And then I shut it down. I used to work 50, 60 hours week, a week years ago. Now, I, now I'm sort of a 40, 45 hour a week guy. I can get it all done. And I can actually, I feel like I'm more productive. I'm more focused working less hours because I'm just, I, I kind of shut down all what I call a lot of non-revenue generating activities. And so everything I look at during the day is, is this going to help me? I always, it's funny, Ray, I look at everything like a football field. I must be an avid football fan. I, I think I am <laughs> because I look at everything in a football analogy. And so when I look at what I do during a day, I say to myself, is this going to help me move the ball at least a couple of yards down the field? And so much of what we do is what you commented on, the noise, particularly from a work perspective. And you've got to really look at and analyze that and make sure you're prioritizing your time on revenue generating activities. Because you know, I sell very large transactions. Most of my transactions are multiple seven figures. So it, it, I got to be mm. very careful about where I spend my time. You know, the other thing is, and we all have this, I think, is is what I call negative ideas, negative talk that might might be creeping into your consciousness. And what I found the best way to do that is just to quickly, I call close the door, just shut the door on that and then shift your mind into something positive. Unfortunately, you know, I don't have a lot of negative thinking that impacts me. But as I say, we all do. And I, that, I've found that to be very key for me. I call it shutting the door, opening the door to a positive thought. And that usually works pretty effectively for me. As an advocate for therapy, what you just mentioned is the reason that you don't have a lot of negative thoughts. Because it takes two seconds for a negative thought to come into your mind. And once it begins to spiral, if you don't shut it down within 30 seconds that thing will just go crazy and you'll find yourself just completely focused on it the rest of the time. It'll just throw everything just off balance and off key. And, and you're doing right. You shut the door right away, which is the best way to handle it and just move on and focus on today and what's in front of you. I love that Dean. That's perfect. Now who's your, who's your favorite football team? I like the 49ers actually. I, I worked with uh, Roger. Roger Craig is no longer with our company, but I worked with Roger for 22 years and we became very close friends and I, I love Roger Craig. I talk about a good human being. There have been probably two or three times I've been with Roger where I've literally broke down in tears because mm. he's done something for humanity that I learned from that is just so moving. And I don't know if we have time for an example, but he he's just a tremendous human being. So I like the 49ers. I have his jersey. It's signed. And I pull for the 49ers, even though I'm not a, a Bay Area resident. 
being in Texas part-time or Denver part-time, I guess I'd be shunned by the Bronco and <laughs> Cowboy fans. But So my, my wife is from Colorado Springs and uh, I'm from here, but I've always been a Houston fan. I was an Oilers fan. Uh, and, and so our household is divided since they are both a- AFC teams in the same uh, division. Once a year, we'll go to the football game and watch the Broncos play the Texans, and that's always a rough couple days in our house, depending on who wins, right? And so now our kids are divided in the same way, but it's uh, when we started, our first date was the Broncos game, so our, our relationship is kind of centered around football. That's that's how it began. But uh, Roger Craig is one of my favorite football players of all time. I actually... Uh, I was into the 49ers during the Montana. That's when that's when Roger Craig played there, you know, with Joe and and uh, if it's possible, I'd love to have him on the show, Dean. So if you have you, if you still have that connection and that telephone number, you know, he'd be he'd be a great one to have. Absolutely, I'll reach out to Roger, and better yet, I'll get you a one of his signed pictures that that I have and value, and make sure he gets that uh, uh, directly to you. I'll take care of that for you. I would love that. That would be awesome. Thank you so much for that. Now, uh, in today's world, many people struggle to find meaning or purpose in their lives because of everything that's going around us. Like I said before, the noise. What would be some advice that you you would give to someone searching for their purpose, someone just in the beginning of their career or trying to figure out what their career is? Yeah, it's a good question. But I, I number of times I've when I lived in Southern California, I went in to speak to uh, business students, the last business class they have at Chapman University. And I, I loved uh, speaking to the class. And I I got a lot of questions around that, Ray, from the students. And the thing I always say is I don't think you have to love something and be passionate about something. I think you have to have some passion and you have to certainly like something a a great deal. And so I talk about, you know, that spectrum of, you know, maybe ultimate love and passion and then something you're doing that you have no passion or no love for at all. And you you certainly don't want to be, you don't want to go into something that you, that you don't really like and have some passion for. I'm not a proponent of that. Uh, But I also think, that, you know, the reality is you want to do something where you can, you know, pay the bills. And, you know, there are a lot of times somebody's very passionate about something, but, you know, you can't pay the bills. So I think you need to have a little bit of balance there. But I talk about that and I I talk about, uh, you know, really trying to understand what it is they enjoy, what they see themselves uh, doing in three to five years, I try to not, you know, so much of the younger people today, their their mentality is in and out of something in a year, 18 months. I just, I don't like that. I, I like to say, hey, try to find something that you could at least see yourself in five years from now and how you can build and learn and develop and improve and become successful at over the three to five years. And then at that point, you know, if you want to transition into something else or a different company in the same industry or or whatnot, then you can do that. So, so I talk a little bit about that, about the non-one-year syndrome. And, uh, 
that's largely it. It's just really understanding, you know, where you see yourself, what you see yourself doing, what you feel you can be interested in and like a whole lot and continue in for a number of years. Yeah, that's good. And you're right. We live in a, a society nowadays where the younger generation is focused on instant gratification. I think a lot has to do with what they see on TikTok and Instagram. And yeah, people making a lot of money off of videos and likes. And, and then you had the, the crypto crew. And there are so many people out there that made a lot of money and made it really quick that now the perception is that that's the norm and that's the way it should be. But it's not. In fact, you know, the more time you spend on something, the more experience you gain and the more valuable you become. And of course, that's just my opinion. Right. But but I think that you are spot on with that. Now, if our listeners wanted to get to know more about you uh, or TIPCO or, or the things you do, is there a website or email address they can contact you at? Uh, well, my uh, email at TIPCO is first initial D, last name, uh, W-I-E-N-E-R at TIPCO, T-I-B, I always say as in boy, dot com. <laughs> a lot of people put the P, but it's a, uh, it's a B, TIPCO. Uh, I am on LinkedIn, you know, as you know, so they can always reach out to me there. Uh, and I'm, I'm always looking for ways uh, to pay back, uh, to, to mm. help people. Uh, I oftentimes, I'm not a coach, so I'm one of the few people on LinkedIn that's probably not a coach. <laughs> it's not how I make my living. But I love getting calls from people, particularly if they need strategy help on something. I just received a call a couple of weeks ago from somebody who owns a company, and he was trying to close a significant deal. And he just said, I'm I feel like I've run into a roadblock. Can you help me? And I said, absolutely. Let me give you at least some ideas. So things like that, where I can really sink my teeth into, get in a little bit of strategy and, and, and so forth. Happy to do it. So if anybody wants to reach out to me, Ray, uh, please do. You you have a wealth of experience. So I may be reaching out to you. I've got a couple of a uh, couple of deals that I'm working on right now for my other business that, that I may need your advice. Now, one last question, Dean. What legacy do you hope to leave behind? I know you know it was coming. <laughs> yeah. I, I, it's like, is that the tombstone thing, Ray? That, <laughs> it's like, like, uh, that assumes anybody would walk by it. But uh, um, I would say this. It has nothing to do with business. I would say that he was a a good and faithful husband. He was a good father and a good friend. That's it. I love that. Pretty simple guy. I love it, Dean. I thank you so much for that. Yeah, there's not a whole lot of onion to peel on me, Ray, but <laughs> and, and and I love that. And I think that's how I think that's how it should be. Just straightforward and let's get it done. But Dean, you you are a great guy. You're a good friend, and I appreciate you being on the Balance Purpose podcast today. Well, thank you, Ray. I, I appreciate it very much. I've enjoyed it. Balance Purpose podcast was created and hosted by me, Ray Trevino, and is produced and edited by Nick Galtney. Thank you for tuning in. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. Check us out at balancepurposepodcast.com and on Instagram at balancepurposepodcast. Remember, finding your purpose is a journey, not a destination. And it takes time and effort to achieve balance. Make it a great day.